Hi, Ted. What's up, Grayson? Welcome to the Boot and Hearth Podcast. We have a special guest today. We have one Richard. I'm not even going to try and pronounce your last name. <laughs> Richard Mensch. Richard Mensch. That is yep. so much easier than I thought it was going to yep. be. Welcome to the pod. Yeah, yeah. welcome to the pod. This Happy is here. this is uh, this is too much Tottenham influence uh, <laughs> right now. But it's it's topical right after the North London derby. I'm happy it ended in a tie because it was a fr- we've had the situation where we've had a guest on locked in for uh, after a big game. The big game doesn't go the way that they wanted to, and something just so happens to come up. Crazy. Oh. Yeah, Crazy. Just, it happens like that. Looking you know? at you, Sharon. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, no, really happy to have you on. So uh, for everyone who hasn't listened to one of these podcasts previously, we cover the – we're kind of like TMZ – but for the Premier League. So we're going to go over everything going on. We're going to embrace a lot of schadenfreude because that seems to be the, the theme of this this uh, this season. Um, but let's get rolling first. I'm going to start with the North London Derby. 2-2. Two, two. How um, I'm going to start with Ted, and then we'll go to Richard. Ted, how did you, uh, you feel about the game? 2-2. Two, two. I went in confident. I wasn't worried. It's a new era. Those days are gone. Spursy is a word of the past. Absolutely not. Oh, it absolutely is. No. It, it definitely is. And uh, honestly, I to just, like, getting into it, Arsenal came out strong. We knew they would. They kind of t- tuckered themselves out. We kind of did our little possession game and, and held, held the ball and, you know, moved it around well. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, honestly, I, 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 it concluded. And the only thing I felt that lasted was that, I was disappointed. Surprisingly, I was disappointed. I felt like we could have won that game. Interesting. Okay. And that's kind of my overall take on it. I, I feel like we'll get into it more. But Richard, you, how, yeah, how'd you feel about it? I, I admire Ted's optimism. <laughs> um, I, he's a little bit of a newer Tottenham fan than I am. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he wasn't there during the Bale days. Um, I, com- I was a little bit more jaded coming in. I wasn't as confident. Um, <laughs> but... Uh, yeah, I've been proven wrong by Ange. I, Ted was talking to me in the summer. I was, I wasn't convinced by him or Madison or you know some of the transfers coming in. Even with the Madison how price tag, you, that's a steal, man. Even if you don't think he's that good. Yeah, I mean, but in, English price tags those don't really matter to me. So it's like I don't really. I mean, you have, you know, Brighton selling just yeah everyone yeah. for a hundred million. It's. It's hard. It's hard to tell, but uh, you know, I think I think Arsenal's been really good these mm-hmm. past two seasons. So I knew it was going to be an uphill battle, but you know, the first five games, I was convinced that we were going to fight, and I think that's exactly what happened. Two two was a, a fair result. I was really nervous in the first thirty minutes, the high press of Arsenal, was, yeah, uh, causing some trouble. But we withstood it really well, and uh, I think Ange's tactics—you could tell they were really well coached, and everyone's on board. And I think. I think he's to get the credit for that yeah. draw. Yeah, one hundred. I, I think Ted touched on something good there, and you touched on something good there, which was one at the end of both halves, Arsenal looked gassed. They were I mean, the last ten minutes, fifteen minutes of both halves, they looked fried, mm-hmm. and and Tottenham in both those halves just looked like they kind of got into it towards the end of the, the second half. It seemed like everyone was just kind of yeah. holding out for the draw, but. The resiliency of Tottenham in this game Sean, I think is, is, is very noted difference from the previous couple of managers because to come back two times in that game I think was I think was really wonderful. And like you 
see this difference from even the first game against Brentford. Mm-hmm. I remember watching the first 15 minutes and watching the build-up play and just sweating bullets vicarious, like yeah. forever because that build-up play was so sketchy. <laughs> Meanwhile, there's one specific sequence in this game at like the 70th, 75th minute or something where Tottenham just pass around the press and they bring it all the way back to Picario yep. and bring it like they start at the midway the line corner. bring it all around the corner and get all the way back up yeah. to uh, Kulisevsky and it's it was beautiful. amazing yeah. Porto so. has been insane and he has been kind of like I feel like our, re- our release valve in terms of getting out of the press it's just I mean he has one his defending has improved and two he's just he's exactly what we need in terms of you know he can beat a man one on one, get around that corner, and then pass it off to Kulisevsky or assume in the middle. It's just it works so well, it really does, and it's just really fun to watch. Yeah. And adding Madison to that, I think there was, I think about thirty minutes in, I think Ange told him to, hey, drop back and fill in that gap, and then we got extra numbers. We broke that press. Yeah. And just having a player who's, I mean, he gave up the ball at the top of the the box, but. Yeah, that's gonna happen. He's confidence. Madison's first touch, not like not even necessarily his first touch, but his first movements around the ball is just next level. Like it is truly elite. He's got eyes in the back of his head. His his ability to beat the press, whoever is on him. I mean, he ate Casemiro up in this game. Like Saka, he made the comment about Saka. He was doing a celebration (laughs) as he turned him. I mean, he (laughs) absolutely Madison just. I, I, I can't sing this guy's praise enough. He's 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 he's, he's, he's no Dominic Savazlak, but he is he is <laughs> really. We'll good. see you next week. Uh, so, did you think this was a fair result, the two-two? I do, and uh, but I'm even more optimistic, more than just the result, is that I feel like Arsenal they're at their peak. I feel yeah. like they're doing as good as they can yeah, with the yeah. talent they have. I think Ange set a good baseline. Like this is where you guys are going to go. What they're doing looks consistent. It doesn't look lucky. Mm-hmm. It was all well earned, and I think we can go up and. I mean, this is more. this is like like I don't think this is this is, I. It's early. This is early, and if someone can motivate a team for a big game, mm-hmm. it's Ange Postecoglou. I mean, enough cannot be said about how he's kind of changed. I, it's so cliche to say, but the culture, it, it, the culture is just con- so different. I mean, I'm gonna narrow in on this one point here but like and he, and he kind of touches on it in the the fan forum that that happened recently he was speaking and you know the questions um kind of were asked about the academy and how he plans to involve young players it could not be more different than the approach that was taken by like say jose Mourinho mm-hmm. and antonio conte who literally would have our academy players standing in for first team practice as you know and i'm going to borrow this as as traffic cones for mm-hmm. for players to dribble around and now, I mean, the talk about the academy kind of has always been hyped up, but now it, it really just it, it feels like he is willing to you know give young players a chance when he can, or not even like I mean he threw um he threw Brennan Johnson in a, it, mm-hmm. for his first start mm-hmm. in the North London derby yeah like he threw him in and, and honestly I'm I'm he's growing on me Brennan Johnson is is growing on me I haven't seen enough yet to make a, a full judgment but that's a that's a bold. Yeah. That is yeah. a really bold. Well, and I was just listening. I was just listening to a podcast today. It's the the Peter Crouch podcast, and he had on Ledley King, who Ledley King is a noted one club Tottenham legend. Mm-hmm. Um, and you realize in this conversation with him and Peter Crouch, just the amount of names that have come out of the Tottenham Academy previously. I mean, Michael Carrick, fucking Ledley King, 
Uh, I don't know if Jermaine Genus did, but but Peter Crouch, Gareth Bale. I mean, the names coming out of that academy are are like it is it is a top tier program, mm-hmm. but there's been a series of managers who are win now mentality. You bring in veteran players, and there's no space for young players. Yeah, and so I, I'm I'm curious about this. And then going back to the Poro thing, Poro was one of those people that was like, there's no shot. I mean, dude, he's, he's trash. After watching him with Conte. So bad. I'm so, I'm, I'm looking back at that Newcastle game. Yeah. I mean, like, Poro yeah. got eaten alive in that game. It was ridiculous. So I don't know. I, I've always been convinced of his talents. I haven't been uh, I think it was a coaching issue and a system issue. You were convinced of his talents, but not James <laughs> Madison's? Come on, man. I was. I, 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 I watched enough of, of Royal on our, on our wing to know what our wingers are capable of and you know where they fall short. And mm-hmm. you could tell the talent was there. And you know, We've had a lot of players that just fail at Tottenham and then they go transfer somewhere else and then they're amazing. And they'll win mm-hmm. a trophy. <laughs> exactly. And, um, I mean, you're seeing that with... Man United. You know, I'm pretty sure Lucas Mora was was the most recent one to leave and go win a trophy. Yeah, 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 yeah. with his with his boyhood club. Stevie Wonder. Oh, Stevie Wonder, man, love some Stevie Bergwijn. Uh, stop referring to anyone named Stevie. We don't we don't associate <laughs> with them on this pod whatsoever. Um, but you you brought up the fan forum um, yeah. and just our weekly dose of how can you not love Ange Postacoglu. Uh, in this in this press or in this Q and A, the host is about to end it because they're at the time limit. Ange Postacoglu stops him giving the or stops him from closing it out and points to a fan in the crowd and says, uh, "No, I think that young man has a question." Young kid with Down syndrome stands up and asks asks a question and and um, Ange answers it. Everyone gives the kid a round of applause and it's just like Wholesome thing. Every time he says something, you're like, he can't possibly be more wholesome. And then this clip comes out, and you're like, dude, we've got the best man as our manager. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, he's just so human. Like, when you compare Pep Guardiola, who's just a fucking alien, I mean, yeah, it's... it's, Nice guy, I'm sure, but absolutely, (laughs) you know, like, he's not, he's not, like, you don't sit there and and think, man, this guy, you know, I want to grab a beer with this guy. Yeah. You know? This dude, this dude is the most down to earth. I mean, I put, I, look, I, I give Klopp a lot of credit. I like Klopp. I really do. I think he's pretty down to earth too. He'll, you know, he'll talk straight with you. But he's a bit of a nut. He is a little, little crazy. Yeah. Yeah. And, she, and she's blowing my mind. Yeah. Um, quote of the week to go along with this is, uh, in that same press conference, uh, our boy D Money, uh, D. Levy, Daniel, no, um, <laughs> said there's, there was a lot of pressure on me to big na- bring in a big name and goes on this thing. And Ange Postacoglu comes, comes in and says, uh, first of all, uh, I've got to say, Postacoglu is a pretty big name. Pretty big name. <laughs> He's got, yeah, I got a point. Um, but just, what a zinger. Um, can, I just, can I just take, I don't want to go on a super down the rabbit hole take here and, and go all Levy on no, this podcast. Do it. Do it. That oh, Levy in? You're Levy in? Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah, a Levy yeah, apologist yeah. now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. No. Always this quote, man, this quote has been debated on almost every podcast I listen to. This, this, There was a lot of pressure on me to bring in a big name. Is that valid? Come on, you're the chairman of the club. Are you, like, if you're going to, you know, make some of the decisions that you've made and, 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 you know, put the club in this position that, you know, we have been in the past two seasons... 
Can you come out and be like, hey guys, I'm sorry. Since 2019, it was four seasons. Yeah, it's been, yeah. it's been rough being a Spurs fan, to say the least. But is it, is, it, is it valid for him to come out and be like, hey guys, I made some mistakes. But you guys put a lot of pressure on me to make these decisions. So you're kind of at fault too, which is essentially what he's saying here. And there was a bit of a, you know, so there was there was some more context there to that quote, but no, there is no. That, we're pulling it out of context. Hot takes the, only off of this did, one line from the thing. But yeah. it did not change the underlying message in that in that quote, in my opinion. Is that valid? Can like can you just do that? I don't think you can. I feel like there's a lot of other commentary that's underneath that one line. I think the fact that you know Spurs is historically maybe one of the big four. People say big six. Now there's nine or ten teams that can really take you away from that big mm-hmm. six. So I feel like when he's saying that, he's saying we don't have the opportunity to have a rebuild season. That pressure to bring in a big name is to have a successful season. We can't bring in a Grand Potter and risk it and then fall to four. Yeah, no, that would be so dumb. I mean, yeah. what what big six team would do that? Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. But he also, like, it's not even like like – League internal pressure, like he specifically references, like like fan pressure, like pressure from outside sources and 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 and, and things like that. And that's what got me. Do you not? Do you not think he's referring to pressure historically to bring in a big name since Poch has left? You're you're talking specifically in the past four seasons. Maybe do you, do you think he's referring to pressure to bring in a big name, or do you think he's referring to? This past in. Because I would agree, in this past in, before he hired Ange, it's up for debate whether or not there was pressure to bring in, bring in a big name. Because there were two big names that were brought in. I absolutely think that's what he's referring to. You think that's what he's yes, referring to? 100%. Okay. Like, I'm not talking specifically about maybe play, like player signings or anything like that. Or, or, or other you know club management level decisions. Specifically this idea that we are on the cusp of, you know... Transcending into this this conversation of the biggest clubs, we need somebody to get us over that hump, and we need a winner who can you know you know get us there. Mm-hmm. That that's what I'm referring to specifically, and and I don't think it's it's fair for him to kind of blame outside pressure on that when he ignores that outside pressure on other things like ticket prices. Well, so I mean, let's think about the names that were associated before. Before Ange got brought in, it was Julian Nagelsmann, Arna Slot. Yep. Is there anyone else I'm forgetting? Um, there were a few others. We were. Well, Poch wasn't with Chelsea yet, was he? Poch no, wasn't with Chelsea. But, but he wasn't even in Poch, No, no. But Poch, there was pressure. There were there were there were there was presence from the fans. To, oh, such pressure from chanting at the games to bring Poch back. Mm-hmm. Those are three pretty big names. I mean, Arna Slot was just about to win with Feyenoord. He's a big name in the Dutch game. Nagelsmann speaks for himself. And Poch speaks for himself. And I think when you put those names in relation to Postacoglu, uh-huh. who had a big presence in Celtic, in uh-huh. Scotland specifically, and, and in Japan, like, he, he was big there. But when you compare him to those three other names that we just threw out there, it, it, his presence at that point was, was not equal. Yeah. So I, I think m- there might be some justification there. Really? He's get, he can't keep getting away with it, guys. He cannot keep getting away with this. Um, well, um, I'm happy for the two-two draw. We'll we'll see we'll see what happens to the season. 
I'm still waiting. I like. I thought the Sheffield United game was gonna be the one where we ended up. Um, no dice. Making the. Guess again. Making the. And making it's the not gonna be this weekend either, man. Who do you guys have this weekend? Liverpool. Oh, easy dub. No. No, it's gonna be three one. No, get, no, it's gonna be three one, <laughs> no and you guys are gonna score. Chance. You guys have three one, and you get. You guys are gonna score first. So. Sonny's back in a hatcher. Um, That's right. All right, let's move on to one of our favorite clubs to uh, shit on currently. Mm-hmm. Alright, so Jaden Sancho, it is now reported that he has been banned from all first team facilities, including the dining room. So he has to spend his entire day in the youth like academy facilities. <laughs> what a douchebag. <laughs> I mean, like, what, how do you, how do you end up in this situation as a hundred million dollar player where you have to be that quarantined. <laughs> it, I mean, it's just absolutely ridiculous. So I got caught up on this this whole situation. Like I I've been kind of reading about it in the background, and then I, today I kind of I got into the nitty gritty regarding you know why he is in this situation and what has gone down and what has transpired. I'll, I'll let you read it out because because you put this all together, but. It's it's just so petty. Here, I'm a, I'm a, I'm gonna read out a quote from from Build, um, and then we'll we'll get rolling on this. So, so Build came out and said, uh, even during Sancho's time at Dortmund, his discipline was always a topic of discussion internally. He was often late for trainings, and after games, he often flew away in a private jet for a day or two. <laughs> but the biggest problem, which his bosses still believe, is that Sancho doesn't sleep enough because he often plays on the console or computer at night up until the early hours of the morning. To go along with this, there are multiple screenshots surrounding Twitter and and everything of Sancho playing FIFA against people at 3 in the morning. I mean, just what the fuck? Dude, that's got to be one hell of an ultimate team he's rocking. Oh, well, cause, yeah, I mean, on those wages, yeah, he's paid to win. Yeah. I mean, it's just, yeah, I, what, like, I, it makes you wonder, like, how much do you think Ten Hag slash Ole put up with to get to this point? He's been there for how long at this point? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Third season? Fourth season? Yeah, somewhere around there, yeah. I feel like. And, and he's never really, I, to my knowledge, he's never really established himself as a yeah, a consistent starter. No. Um, and this, I mean, this makes a lot of sense if this is all going on. Um, what this really draws the attention, though, is if they knew all this from the Dortmund time, uh-huh. why is Man United still surprised? Like, they, if they've had him for three to four years, a lot of this discipline is on them right now. I mean, look at the recent examples we've had regarding, you know, players they've had on their team and have defended well not defended we want i won't say defended but but where they draw the line is fifa just like yeah exactly <laughs> that <laughs> how do you do that like you're putting up like that and then you've also got the guy playing fifa on your bench oh, no. and he's the one oh, you isolate no. and throw to the academy oh, i just like me. what oh, i don't know God. So I just like I mean I feel like at this point I, I should be looking at a caricature a caricature portrait of like Ten Hag running a daycare like this club is is ridiculous. Well, and it's like I, it goes back to the recruitment. I mean, like like even with Anthony, like Anthony was definitely a Ten Hag signing, and the and the stuff coming up about him, 
is due diligence that should have popped up. I mean, there were public records about this. Also, you would expect the club of Manchester United stature to be able to do the like due diligence exactly. on this. This is pretty. I mean, I'm sure this wasn't a hidden secret at Dortmund. They could have could have come across this information. So um, he has been with Manchester United since tw- 2021, and in that time, so that's like two years, two, three, yeah, three. Yeah. yeah, this is his third season. So 2021, 2022, 20, yeah. So this is his third mm-hmm. season with them. He's made 58 start or 58 appearances in that time, not starts. Not great. Um, he was at he was at Dortmund for four years and only made a hundred, so I mean, that's double with an extra year. But still, it's, still, it's just this. How, it, how do you not see this? And this is not the first time that he's been quarantined too, because he was quarantined. He got sent away to the Netherlands to do a fitness camp because he was too fat. <laughs> too much people. at one point. It's just like like how do you make what he makes and still sit up it and play FIFA until three? Wait. It makes me wonder, though, if <clears throat> I mean we, we talked about the other members of their team, the Greenwood, the yeah, yeah, how nothing is happening. Your domestic right? abusers of this world, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and then you've got Jaden Sancho, right? Yeah. Actively <laughs> defending these other ones. All he does is say, "Hey, this might not be exactly what they're saying. Like, I'm gonna, you know, I try hard in training. Don't throw me under the bus like that. You're banished. And then they, they banish him. It, <laughs> yeah, it, it yeah. feels like it's a power struggle right here. And I think it started with Ronaldo. Ronaldo was like, this club doesn't know what they're talking about. Uh, they don't respect players. And it's it goes even back further to the Mourinho days when there was that little bit of a coup there. Yeah, and yeah. Ten Hag could... See well, and that carry there. that carries over because mm-hmm. uh, up until Ten Hag, there was tons of stuff coming out from the locker room right. about drama that was going on. So I feel like Jaden Sancho, even though he probably plays FIFA till three, <laughs> he could use morning, a bit more discipline. There, there's there. a lot of probably ill-disciplined players out there, and I feel like this is—he's probably just the one who's getting the brunt of it. It's like you cannot—he crossed the line. Where it's like this is an easy <laughs> win. This is an easy win for Manchester United right now. Yep. After if, the PR, if they let it go, everything else cascades down. And Ten Hag says, "No, yeah. I'm I'm laying it down." Right Buck here. stops here. Exactly. Yeah. I I totally see where you're coming from. I think 100. It ends up in the situation. I've heard this point made previously, which is if you bring in one player and they don't develop. It's that player. But if you bring in a series of players the and they don't develop, if you have an academy and you're failing to produce people from that academy, mm-hmm. then is it just that player? And I think I think we, we're seeing that with Manchester United right now. What a shit club. I, well, <laughs> I think... I, I, think um, I do wonder... This is coming out all publicly. I totally get what... Sancho is saying, but I also wonder what else has gone on uh, behind the scene. Well, because there was that one, there was that one situation last year, I think it was, where Marcus Rashford got uh, pulled from a start because he showed up like, I think it was, it was so, some minutes late yeah. to a, to a team meeting, yeah. and like that was like a quick win for him to get in and like mm-hmm. like draw a line. So I wonder if Ten Hag is like, listen, you can abuse your spouse. But if you if you show up five minutes late to this team meeting, I swear to fucking God, you were doing what? You were doing what? <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, 
it's not all bad. You know, you could... Sure, they bought one $100 million player and he's not working out. Imagine buying multiple $100 million players and them not working out. Uh, so let's move on to Chelsea. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, Chelsea, I'm going to run through some stats and then we're going to talk about the um, Villa game. So Chelsea have failed to score in after since the Villa game. So the Villa game finished one nothing. Chelsea have failed to score in 13 Premier League matches in 2023, the calendar year, more than any other side. That includes the teams that were in the um, that were in relegation form uh, and got relegated last year. Uh, and that's the the lowest they have failed to score in a single year since 1995, which was 14 games. We still got a lot to go in this season. Another stat. Another stat to go through is. Over the last 35 matches, which is three short of a full season, Chelsea's points per game is .8. That would get you relegated in every single Premier League season and would have you finish bottom or joint bottom in 97, 98, 2005, 2009, 2011, 2014, 2015, and 2018. Can we just relegate them now? <laughs> I mean, that's eight seasons that they would finish bottom if it was if it was like right now, just based on that ratio. That's wild. That is insane. I mean, it is like it baffles me week in week out just how dire this team is. I do we think? I heard a take this week that they're not actually that bad. Do y'all think they're that bad, or do you think it's it's? Um, just a matter of time before they figure it out. I don't think they're that bad. I, you know, I'm still s- skeptical of stats in soccer right now. I think it's in its infancy. It's not, you know, the money ball moment where, you know, baseball, all the pen, all the events yeah. are independent, so you can easily do stats and, and money ball that. Mm-hmm. With that said, I was uh, talking to Ted a little bit earlier. And there's only two teams in the league right now that have won every single game on XG, expected goals. Mm-hmm. And that is Manchester City and Chelsea. Really? Yeah. yeah. Right now, they are underperforming their XG by six goals. So that is insane. The team is making the chances. And that includes that includes penalties as well, because right. I mean Enzo had that Enzo had that. Which miss, is yeah. absolutely absolutely absurd, because they've got you know superstar Nicholas Jackson up top. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> How can this be? Uh, don't don't even don't don't get me started on that one. No, don't get me started on that one. Um, I agree that I don't think they are bottom. They're relegation. <laughs> Team. They're not Everton. But they are not. I, that's disrespect to Everton. <laughs> yeah, at this point, yeah. Uh, but I don't think they're a top half team currently the way that they're playing. I mean, I, like, I get that they're underperforming their XG, but, I mean, it it's it's one thing to be wasteful, but it's also one. Like, last week we talked about the Bournemouth game. The Bournemouth game was finishing 0-0. It was at 0-0. They had possession in the last couple of minutes of the game, and they sat around passing it around the back. I mean, there's no urgency in this team. There's no desire to play for it. They're young. It's not like they've got anything that we can lean on. It's not like they have anything that they can lean on to say, this is not us. Like, we're in bad form. Look at what we did last year. Look at what we were doing 10 games ago. Mm -hmm. This is... 
whatever is happening currently is the precedent that they have to go off of. They don't have... It's not like Liverpool last season with the same team. And Liverpool turns it around at the end of the season, but in the middle of it, they're like, we're dog shit right now and can't figure it out. But look at what we did in the past. It's different for Chelsea because, yeah, they won the the Champions League in whenever the fuck, but um, this is an entirely different team. Uh, Ted, what do you what do you think about this? I mean, we kind of talked about this, like you said, we talked about this a little bit on the last pod. I, you you don't think Chelsea is 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 bad? I think we compared. Um, I don't think Manchester United is as bad as Chelsea. That's what we were comparing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. no, I think I think Chelsea's in a very bad spot, and it, it fills me with joy to see it unfold every weekend. Um, I. I think they definitely finish maybe like bang on middle of the table, but like I there is not a lot of hope here. There is not a whole lot to root for. XG favoring them like they like it is, I that's a bad look for XG, honestly. I, I I'm not buying Chelsea right now. Well it's an indicator, but just because you're doing well XG does not mean you return to some mean. Like it doesn't necessarily mean like if you are doing really well in terms of XG terms. It's an indicator that you're getting chances. Mm-hmm. But if you're wasteful, you're wasteful. I mean, it's not like it's not like you're like, oh, if we just keep performing at this level, we'll get our chances. That's not necessarily the take. Yeah. But like, so like, that's the other thing. Like, so you were saying there's nothing for them to fall back on, right? What, what do they have? Like, what changes? What are you looking forward? What, what changes and changes this situation uh, that they currently find themselves in? Like, what are they going to do? Fire Potch? They're going to fire Potch that they just brought him in? They're going to spend more money? What are they going to do? Like, I, I don't see a way out of it. And it's just, I don't see it going anywhere, but maybe maybe plateauing a little bit and like evening. Like, I just, I don't know. I don't see them getting worse, but I don't see them getting better. The way I see it is it all comes down to their, their striker issue. They've never resolved it. And the worst what do you mean thing? they had Kai Havertz? What are you talking about? <laughs> uh, they have Romelu Lukaku. I'm sorry. <laughs> they won the Champions League with essentially a false nine. Yeah, right? yeah. They yeah. had Timo Werner up top in the wing with Kai Havertz dropping in, and then maybe Pulisic or whoever they want want down. The I mean, and they were winning those games like one nothing, like two, like like they were winning on the break. Right, but they were still scoring goals. I mean, they weren't just a defensive. Um, yeah, I, I just mean like it wasn't. They were clinical with their finish. They weren't creating. They weren't overwhelming teams with their attacking presence. They were clinical in the finish. But they were finishing, which yes. they're not doing now. Yes. Nope. Yeah, yeah. And I think they. I just don't get why teams think the solution to their problem is Lukaku. He's never been the problem. <laughs> they throw a hundred million dollars at him, bring him back, and then he fails. And they do it. It's never worked. Maybe it's for Inter, <laughs> but you know that's not working so well anymore. But the thing is, is that I think they've tried to fix that, and then they bring in Raheem Sterling, which. I don't think he's a great finisher either. And I think they just keep on spending big on someone from Ukraine. It's like, you've got to stay with someone a while. And I think that's the solution to their issue is trust who you've got in mm. and get them in a groove and then have everyone play with them. And but why do that when you can bring in a new starting 11? You know? Why do that? What's a billion pounds? <laughs> exactly, you know? I, I will say they do have Christopher Nkunku, who was mm-hmm. really good at Leipzig, very, very good. good at Leipzig. Yep. I don't know if they're going to play him through the middle. And he's out for a while. So what they have right now is Nicholas Jackson. <laughs> and Nicholas Jackson, some more stats for you. 
has lost possession as a result of an unsuccessful touch more times than any other player in Europe's top five leagues this season. He has also just gotten his fifth yellow card as a striker and will be suspended for the next match. We are, this is, we're seven games in? I think seven games in and he's got five yellow cards? I mean, also the, 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 the touches and everything. I mean, it's just, we've seen the shanks that he's thrown out. Do you, do you think he's going to turn this around, Richard? I don't know much about him, honestly. Yeah. Um, I think they have enough talent with their previous spends that they don't need to play someone who loses possession that many times. Mm-hmm. I think when you're losing possession based off a of poor touch, that's a lack of concentration. You don't get to that level and not know how to trap a ball, to have good control. That is just yeah. poor discipline. I think you yank him for a little bit. You get his technique down. Maybe develop a player. I, I, get, the, <laughs> get the jitters out and just throw a veteran in. I, th- I think it's helpful that they have Armando Broja uh, coming back from injury. He was at Southampton, not this past season, but the season before, and he was pretty good. And apparently, Raheem Sterling has said he's the fastest player on their roster. So I'd believe that. I, bro, but if you look at Broha, I mean, it's like you don't bag it. Yeah, you don't pay, you don't bag it for being the fastest. So I mean, I'm like, I see what you're saying that they need they need someone to finish chances. Mm-hmm. I don't. They haven't really had that since Drogba. And yes, but also, I don't think they're patient enough with their players, and they play the wrong players all the time. Now, specifically, the fan base or oh, the, the the manager, whoever is there. Got it. I mean, this is my American bias coming out. But Pulisic had the best finishing. I mean, he's popping off at AC Milan right now. Yeah, finishing stats of all the other Chelsea players during that time, and people would highlight like high-profile misses. But his stats didn't lie. He was still Mm -hmm. better than everyone else. He just wouldn't get the minutes. Mm -hmm. When you get the minutes, you get the results. I think this is probably a good time to point out that Richard is currently wearing a uh, (laughs) U.S. national national team shirt right now. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. So I just, I just think it's poor management, and I think. I think Poch is a good manager. I think they should give him time to. I I think you you have to give him time. You do. If you don't give because you have that you they have definitely more than five players. I don't know. I think they've got at least eight or nine players on like eight year contracts. Yep. And so they need to work with a manager mm-hmm. to be able to get to this point. I don't think they're ever going to be threatened to get relegated. At least currently. There's just too many. I'm happy to be, I am happy to be wrong on that. But I don't think they're going to get relegated. So I could totally see Bowley maybe sitting there and saying, fuck it, we'll be trash for a season while they figure it. it out. Yeah, and sit on it. The problem is I don't know if they can do that FFP-wise. Because like they need champions. Because like, yeah. they have spent so aggressively, yeah. they're going to start showing losses for sure. So do you think they are... That, do you think what they are currently is, you know, one potential pass signing away from, you know, a complete product in terms of... Uh, oh, are you referring to uh, them passing up on Declan Rice because they didn't feel that... Because they felt he had an English premium on him? Yeah, that's a name that comes to mind. Uh, <laughs> that's just... that. I, this has to be bait. I mean, this absolutely <laughs> has to be bait because of what they spent on Moises Caicedo. I mean, just like... What they spent on Moises Caicedo was 30 million pounds more than, or 30 million euro more than what Declan Rice went to Arsenal for. Yeah, man, just couldn't. And he's one of their homegrown club. Like, he's homegrown at that club. Yeah, man, we just can't swing it right now. We just don't have the money, you know? We just don't have the money. 
<laughs> I don't think I don't think Declan Rice would have gone. To be honest, he wants Champions League football. I like I I legitimately think he he probably like because there's I can't fathom a situation where they don't go in for Declan Rice if he indicates anything to them to say come for me yeah, come yeah, for me yeah like especially from what they paid for Moises Caicedo yeah so I I I don't know about that um we'll see what happens with Jackson. Um, I just want to give a shout out to all the Darwin Nunez haters. Where the fuck are you now? I mean, unreal. We're still my here. Boy, my boy is my boy is killing it right We're now. Still here, man. <laughs> Missed the sitter at the weekend, but then hit it an absolute banger on an over-the-shoulder cross. I heard commentary on that. They were like, "Oh, he's gonna he misses the absolute sitter and then bangs in the most difficult shot he gets all time." I, I mean, it's just it, it, he's he's a guy. I mean, he's a god of chaos. He hates XG. Yeah, not an XG. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> No, it all bounces. That all comes out of the wash. Yeah. yeah. Um, I will say that that on the topic of not giving patience, the other, the the primary owner, the major, the majority owner, Bechdad Ibali, I said that name wrong. Um, went to the locker room uh, uh, after the Villa loss, and we know that the fans. From what they've experienced from 2000, since Abramovich took over until now, they are not a patient fan. No. Or fan culture. Whatsoever. No. If we're seeing this as well, if there's not patience from the owners as well, I mean, I could totally see this. In a bubble, I could see them saying, we'll be dog shit for a season or two. And then we'll we'll bring bring this horse Around. You're talking about the Chelsea fan base, but I am talking about the Chelsea fan base revolting. It's going to be against the pro. It's going to be like it's already bad. It's already pretty bad in terms of. Uh, I the, mean the, the, the mood amongst fans. Yeah, but like. <laughs> also, there's the innate bias against Americans yeah. coming in, and and Bowley's not doing a lot of a lot of favors. Not there. winning a lot of fans. Um, so I I don't know. We'll see. We'll see where this goes. I am curious about when Nkunku comes back. Uh, but maybe on the topic of strikers that they might be in for, or like their striker situation, do they bring in an established Premier League striker with uh, who's about 26, 27, with some years on the clock? I am, of course, referring to uh, Skybet's own uh, <laughs> DraftKings, DraftKings favorite, Ivan Tony. Um, I do we think Ivan Tony goes in January? Do you think it, Richard? Do you think Ivan Tony goes in January to Chelsea? To, just in general, just in general. Do you think he goes in general? And if you do think he goes, where do you think he goes? Answer the first question. Yeah, first. yeah. I think as a player in clubs in this in this era, I think January transfer windows are becoming less and less. Valued. Yeah, yeah. You get less bang for your buck. So I think for both of those reasons, I don't think he goes in January. I think he can think, I'll get more money if I do a summer transfer and people be more willing to to pay up. Uh, I don't think he's a a super, he's not a Harry Kane. No, he's a really smart guy. Yeah, he, yeah, it's not like he bets (laughs) on his own team or anything. It's not like he has a video of him saying, fuck Brentford. (laughs) No, this is a straight shooter. Yeah, real sharp guy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Ted, what do you think? What do you think? 
I mean, they haven't shown any restraint in paying crazy <laughs> prices thus far. I don't see them hesitating now. If they need a striker and it's become even more apparent come January, I bet they go for it. I bet they're, I bet they're willing to pay anything they can, you know, anything they're asked of, you know? So that's, that's kind of the way I see it. I just want a quick shout out. Ivan Tony gets a lot of talk, but every time I watch Brentford, man, and Buemo, and Buemo really just impresses me. I think he deserves a little more attention and he's younger than Ivan Tony. Is he really? He's mm-hmm. he's twenty four. Yeah, I'm just saying. You know, it's because he's too short. That's a yeah, he's yeah, like yeah, five, yeah. Well, six. It yeah. doesn't seem to stop him from scoring against Spurs. No, so no. I mean, <laughs> I don't know. I just wanted to, to to pigeonhole that in there. Maybe give him a look instead of Tony. I could definitely see some English bias going around the conversation around Ivan Tony for sure. Uh, I don't think there's many clubs that need a striker, but I mean, our, Chelsea's games running into December look tough. I mean, it's a really tough run of games. And so, do we see them scramble at the end of it and just say, fuck it, we're going to cash out for Tony? Is there any other team that you think would cash out for Tony? Spurs, perhaps? <laughs> I mean... Do you think so? Manchester United? So, here's the thing. Up until we started playing Sun up top, I think I would have said, yeah, Ivan Tony gets a serious look here. And, and that was also, you know, definitely... <laughs> Richarlison's lackluster, you know, goals and, and, and stats would, would, would further that narrative. Um, since, since we've made the change and put Sun up top, I, I think that probably has quieted down a little bit. But we have always been a fan of Tony. We've been linked to Tony so many times. Um, but, uh, no, I don't think I see Spurs going for him, to be honest. Not, definitely not in January. No chance. I, I could see a situation where Manchester United go in in January. To be honest, like right now they've got Hoyland up top. They just brought him in for a lot of money. He's an unproven talent. Mm-hmm. Rashford clearly can't play up top. Their situation last year was to bring in Valt Veghorst. We saw how that worked out. <laughs> I mean, I could see, I could definitely see, Man- I could see Manchester United cashing out for Robin Tony. The thing is, is that Brentford's not a dumb club. And, you know, if they do sell Tony in January, they're going to have to spend big big money to get someone else in January just to stay in the Premier League. And yeah, because, the I mean, they're not, they're not off to too great of a start right. this year. Yeah. So just lost to Everton. I just think they're yeah. a risk-averse team, and they're very shrewd with their transfers. So I can see them, say, waiting until... For this to happen, there would need to be an obvious target for them to, to jump on. Or, mm-hmm. you Wait, know, you would have... You have to be high enough in the table to say we cannot have a striker for half the season and get someone on a free the next one. I just don't think that's the situation they're in right now. Well, you would have to imagine Brentford as well of a run club as they are that they have been looking at potential replacements even in January, I would think. So I agree. I don't think they sell in January if there's not a replacement lined up. I could totally see them doing what Brighton did this past year and saying, no, you're not going. Like, like, I, like what they did with Moises Caicedo, where Moises Caicedo literally put out like a farewell message to his, to his favorite, boyhood favorite club, Arsenal. Um, <laughs> that transfer lined up. Um, and, and, he said, and they just remove him from training until the end of the window and then sell him in the summer. Um, I, could, I, could, I could see that happening here. But I could definitely see Chelsea 
and Manchester United coming in in the summer. So we'll see. To wrap up the Chelsea combo, we've talked about it before. We've talked about do we see Poch surviving through this season? Um, and I think we were we were thinking we were thinking he might be gone by the end of the season. Potentially, potentially. I mean, I don't think it would be smart, but I could potentially see it. Yeah, just just hearkening back to that pressure we were talking about from the Chelsea fan base and how different this is um, to what they're used to, you know, mm-hmm. in terms of you know results and, and where they're finishing the table. Um, I think I said if things don't significantly improve, yes, I could see him gone by the end of the season. Um, has your opinion changed on that? What's your, your fresh take on that? So the last time I've seen a club kind of be in their situation, again, I'm going to go back to XG. Sure. But it, Stats guy. Yeah, exactly. It was, I think, 2013-2014 Bundesliga season. In Christmas, Dortmund is dead last in the Bundesliga. But on XG, they were second place behind Bayern <laughs> with, like, a one game behind. Mm. So they were just not finishing. It's because Lewandowski went to Bayern. So they lost their striker. And they're trying to bring in everyone they can. They bought the, tie, the top striker from Italy. They brought in Aubameyang. And they just couldn't get it working. And because of that, they fired Klopp. And Klopp is oh. not a bad manager. And we, we see what happens. No, I agree. He's not a bad manager, yeah. yeah. So, I don't know how smart they are at Chelsea. They're obviously not patient. But I feel like that is enough to say this is a striker problem. you got to kind of trust XG in that. If you're making the chances and they're not being taken, it's because you have someone not taking them. It's not your manager teaching the club not to make the chances. It's a missing piece. Right, yeah. yeah. Well, so, I think you give them time and – Hopefully you get that missing piece, and I think you're going to be dangerous once again. Voice of reason and logic, probably not the voice of the Chelsea fan base. Well, 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 I think it is very blatant who is at fault for where Chelsea is right now. And I don't think anyone is accusing Poch. Not yet. Of where they're at currently. And so, with Graham Potter... It was different because people said, one, he didn't have the dressing room because Graham Potter was a relatively unknown name outside of England. Even just in the English game, he, he, was, he was a new, new commodity. Um, and you had, they had an international team, so he lost the dressing room. The fans weren't behind the project, so they made a change because it clearly wasn't working. Pochettino is a world reputation manager. He he has a very big name. He's got the gravitas to go with it. Um, And I think with the spending that has happened this summer, with with what's coming out of the players currently, it's also a question, I've heard this on Chelsea Podcast, who do you bring in if Poch goes? Like, like genuinely, who takes that role if Poch leaves? Because they, whoever comes in has to know you are not really getting that much support monetary. I can't imagine they continue to spend at the levels they are because they've locked in nine, ten players on eight-year deals. And so it's going to be, it's going to be like, it, I can't imagine the fan base blowing up at Poch. I can imagine the fan base blowing up the. Ice. And maybe you're right. 
Maybe you're right. All I'm saying is that I can't think of any examples of a time where you know you had a team with talent in it, and you were just missing that that win now manager that knows how to win, <laughs> and they bring in the big name. And I can't think of a single example of a time that hasn't worked. Honestly, I just I yeah, can't think of a single yeah. time that nothing comes to mind. That always works. Yeah, 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 yeah. for sure. Yeah. Maybe you're right. Maybe, yeah. they, maybe they're back next year. Who yeah, knows? yeah, who knows? <laughs> um, all right. Well, moving on to the team that is win now. Um, Rodri, we're going to talk about Man City. So, Rodri had a straight red card against Nottingham Forest. This red card was wild. Yeah. I mean, for someone who has been the most, he has the most starts under Pep Guardiola by a fair margin. Uh, since since he's been in the team, and yet he pulls this wild stuff. So what he does, what he does in the clip is he gets up and starts bodying Morgan Gibbs White, and then puts his hand around Morgan Gibbs White's neck, and then gives him a nice little nice little clock as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, suspended for three games. This is so out of character, right? I mean, this is this is insane. I I have to. Do you think Pep takes this farther internally than the three game suspension? From what I see from Pep, absolutely. I feel like he's just they, the way they operate is a well-oiled machine. And if you break that machine from stupidity, yeah, mm-hmm. he's going to come down hard on you and make sure that not only you know that you can't do that again, everyone else. That's the most important thing. Is everyone else knows that this cannot happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just I think it's crazy. To to your point, this isn't like some hot-headed young player. It's not like a Christian Romero. No. no. Yeah. 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 Thing, though, you know? <laughs> that's no. his thing. <laughs> He's a cat. That's what yeah. he does. But this is this is like your level-headed, like I, I, I guess, yeah. I'll say your level-headed, like veteran. You, you know, you trust. You know, to, fun to, fact: to, He's twenty-six. Exactly. Not even that old. Like he's yeah. not even that old. But he's a veteran of that. Yes, game. yes. It's just, it's like just established wild. leader. You know. Yeah. You don't expect that from him. I yeah. it just had me wondering what did Morgan Gibbs White do? What did he say? What did he do? I don't know. Like to get Rodri that fired up. Well, do you remember there was I don't know if you remember this cuz neither if you follow Liverpool, but there was in the Liverpool Arsenal game last year, Henderson reportedly said something <laughs> and Gabriel Gabriel uh Marlish, yeah, from Arsenal the defender thought he said some like really racist thing oh, in Portuguese to him, in Brazilian Portuguese, and got all up in it and just absolutely went nuts on Henderson. And there was a whole inquiry. They asked the ref. They asked all the players around it. Nothing. It, obviously, Henderson didn't say anything like that. Does Henderson even speak <laughs> Brazilian <laughs> Portuguese? It's like such a, such a weird, yeah, yeah. I mean, especially with someone who has teammates of Fabinho, Robert Fabinho, <laughs> yeah, yeah, Allison, yeah. It's just like really, really. It's just it was a wild thing. But maybe, maybe Morgan Gibbs White said something in the in a like broken English. And like, Roger's like, "Whoa, you said what?" Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, so maybe it was something along those lines. But crazy. Yeah, crazy. no, he just absolutely flipped a switch. I didn't I realize mean, it was that bad until I saw the clip you put in the agenda. That that looked awful. Yeah, I mean, it's just it's clear so, red. 
clear with. Yeah, it's yeah. so uncharacteristic from the robots that play in Manchester City's lineup. <laughs> I mean, like, it was human, and it was weird. It yeah, was, like, scary. Weird. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This is what happens when AI gets <laughs> this is This is the problem that we face. Mm. You can't trust a guy who tucks in his shirt in the, in the crew. <laughs> I mean, it's CDG. just... CDG. That's it. Good pod. <laughs> All right. Uh, but um, it does open up a slot. It and does it open up a slot. Do... Richard, I'm going to get it first. Does Calvin Phillips come in and fill in the slot? I think you have to. I mean, they paid pretty good money to bring him in. 60, 70, yeah, somewhere yep. in there. And he hasn't played much. And they're going to keep him around. He's English. Yep. Keeps the English quota. I think you give him play time. I think, you know, he, he proved his... That he can play in the Premier League. I mm. just think he's rusty from not being with the team. I think he just doesn't read them like everyone else because he doesn't play. I mean, he mm. practices with them. He trains with them. Not the same, though. But it's not the same. To your point, he did play today. Um, I believe that was uh, uh, League Cup? Yeah, against Newcastle. Yeah, yeah. He did not have a great game, but to your point, yeah, he hasn't been playing much. So who knows? But that is a good, you know, um, indicator that yeah they're getting maybe him warmed up for some further playtime in the Premier League. Yeah, maybe because I mean like it's something that it's something that we have to keep in mind about Calvin Phillips too is like he came from Bielsa's leads. Yeah, and Bielsa is another very specific coach who plays a certain system that you have to play in that system. And his his role in that was extremely defensive and being being like that was his primary focus. Now he goes to a completely other side of. The, the coin yep. with a PEP system where it's very possession based, recycle possession, you're a fucking robot, you have no feelings, you don't. <laughs> so it's, it's, I, I mean, you have to give him a run of games because yeah. if you don't give him a run of games now, I mean, he's, he's got to go in the summer. And clearly, right? like, I mean, he's a player. Like, that's like that's not even in the conversation. No. Like, why not give him a chance, you know? See what he can do in this, in the, in the system. Uh, because he's still, you know, I, I have a th- I, I have a theory that in the Manchester City locker room, tinfoil yeah, hat. Going you remember on. those? You remember those? Did you guys ever see those clips of where like they sit people in chairs and they open up their <laughs> eyes with, like the clips? Yeah. Just make them watch like horrific things. And I feel like they they do the same thing with the Manchester City players, and they're just like just to desensitize them from being human. It's just clips of passing the ball. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they feed them like just packs of gel. Yeah. I think. They're just not real anymore. Um, so we'll see. We'll see. We'll see what the run Calvin Phillips get. I would love to play City right now with Rodri out. To be honest, yeah, no, um, that's fair. I, I, I don't. I, I take that back. I don't. Still don't think I want to play City. But yeah, I mean they're they're on a pretty hot start. I, I just know that we'd finish three one against them and they'd score first. So I, uh, I'm yeah, gonna yeah. go. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. See, this is the thing. Liverpool fans wanted predictability. We are very predictable <laughs> right now. We'll get scored on in the first 10 minutes, and then we'll, we'll make some situations happen, and we'll win by three. <laughs> win by two. That's what's going to happen. Easy. I used to be worried when we – last season I was worried when we let in one early in the game. This season it's like, oh, everything's according to plan. We're going to go. Yeah. Um, uh, how about we how about we turn the lights down now and we talk about our, our favorite vampire? Yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Doing it in the nighttime oh, in yeah. honor of In respect. In, in yeah, honor in respect. of the vampire. Um, this is a bit off the beaten path. So Aston Villa players are complaining that their game shirts who are made by Castore 
are affecting their performance. Now, I don't know if you've seen these jerseys. I can't say I have yet. But they are not sweat-releasing at all, so they just are, like, fully drenched in sweat, <laughs> like, five minutes into the game, ten minutes into the game. And they're just, like, like it visibly looks like they were in a torrential downpour. <laughs> I would want nothing less to play in a uniform like that. I mean, I, I, I'm, like, picturing playing in a, in a game where the, the objective of the shirt is to actually, like, make you look wet. How do, it's you, like, how do you not have a dry fit Premier League kit? Like, I, I put that on the same level of lack of, like, like oversight failing as Man U's recruiting. Like program, like that's just like ridiculous. How do you not do your due diligence? Well, because I, I think it's very clear that it, it it they sign up with this brand because it because of the money because this brand and them come up with a very that lucrative. Cannot deal be the it. only thing. No, 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 because they don't. It's not like they're shown the kit before they make the signing. No, you sign with a kit maker for four seasons or whatever, and then you go with them for the four seasons, and then you reevaluate at the end of it. Like they've been, they were in Castori last year, I'm sure, and like Castori just decided this year, you know, it's really in style, looking like you sweat your fucking balls off <laughs> within the first five minutes, and then you have to play in that drenched shirt. It's great. I mean, I mean, let's humor this for a second and say, okay, it's affecting play. Mm. What? what the jersey weighs so much more because it's absorbing no, all the... No, 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 no. You lost the plot. Oh, no, no, my no. God. Oh, we can't run as fast. Oh, it's just so... It's such a distraction. I, like, what? Like, nah, you've lost the plot. Look good, feel good, play good, man. Nah, you've lost it. You've lost it. I, playing, playing in a shirt that... I don't know. What do you think? What do you think? I, don't, I feel like that had to be intentional. For like the wet look thing, I don't. I feel like you don't deviate from a well-known technology for any reason. Like they probably unless it's money. I there, guess there's probably R and D money that Castori puts into that thing to say it's like a wetsuit. It cools you better. Yeah, <laughs> it's breathable with the yeah. added. Yeah, you just gotta get it wet first. <laughs> Maybe that's what they're doing. Maybe they soak the kits before they go out on the field. I do. I I know it, but I. I do not like playing in like an uber, uber sweaty shirt. These guys are drenched five minutes in. I can't imagine that they, they want to play in that for another 45. And apparently it's, it's not just the kid they're upset with. Oh my God, I'm so happy about this news. So, so we talked, remember when Aston Villa changed their badge we originally did. last year? Yeah. We talked about it and we were like, oh yeah, just just knock off Chelsea. It's, yeah, it's exactly. fucking horrible. Yeah. What, what is wrong with the badge that they have? <laughs> So apparently they're going, they're, they're changing the badge again. So they, uh, uh, a quote from the club, as communicated at the recent meeting of its fan advisory board, Aston Villa is planning to re-engage with supporters to explore options for selection of a permanent new look crest ahead of the club's 150th anniversary next year. You had this crest for one season and you're already ready to go back on it, but clearly it wasn't the choice. Like, like, why did you pick it in the first place? What the fuck? Just, Ridiculous. And people need to. I just don't think they want to be associated with a mid table club like Chelsea. I mean, fair. Yeah, it's honestly a disservice to them. Disrespectful. Yeah, yeah no, I, I completely get it. No, it's, it's because Chelsea has the same badge as them, it's bringing their brand down. Right. They're, they're a European club now. 
they have some self-respect. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. yeah. They're gonna have new fans yeah. walking around yeah. saying they're Chelsea fans wearing a like wearing an Aston Villa kit. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's just hey, can't have that. Can't have that. <laughs> can't have it. No. Uh, all right, last thing I want to talk about. We we can keep this nice, nice and short. Everton won against Brentford three one. Yep, three one. And and <laughs> and they just won today against Aston Villa in the League Cup. Do whisper it quietly. Do do we dare say that they're safe? Do we think they're going to be safe this year? I don't know, Ted. What do you think? I'm a big uh, I'm a big Brentford fan. You yeah, guys. yeah. As as well noted. We both are. Well we noted. Both well noted. <laughs> big Brentford guy. Um, for them to kind of take it to Brentford, Brentford like that uh, last weekend, three one. I was shocked. Uh, Maybe I was they, appalled. I was, I was appalled. Disgusted. It was yeah, all of those and more. Yeah. It was really it was really honestly eye opening. I think that's that's a big statement win for them. Do I think they're safe from relegation? Yeah. Yeah, I think they are. They were already safe. They were safe from relegation at, at any point in the near future when they appointed Sean Dyche. That's just always been the equation I've stuck with. Interesting. Um so yeah, that's my take on it. I've, I, since that appointment, I've never really thought they were going to be relegated. Uh, Richard, I think they're still a poor Everton side. But I say that as Everton is supposed to be like a seven, eight, nine. Yeah, club. they're supposed to be where Aston Villa, like Brighton, are right. Right. Now. Yeah. And I, so I think they might be in that 13, 12, 11 area. And right. Yeah, yeah. Right. And I think last season, where all the bottom feeder <laughs> clubs did. Really well. Yeah, pretty, yeah, relatively. It it made their job really hard, and Mm -hmm. they didn't have much leeway to to suffer and just be... And Dyche didn't get much time to work work with them, and and they didn't. Mm -hmm. They didn't have someone like Beto in winning line. And And I think they're a little bit better now than they were last season, and I think they have a little bit more margin of safety where the bottom of the table Mm -hmm. is worse than it was last season. And I think that's... I don't think they're going to be running this season. I, I think you're spot on with that. I don't think it's necessarily that Everton are better. I'm wary to say that. But the bottom of the table is just so bad. I mean, as yeah. long as you got, you know, Chelsea, Man U, and Luton down there, you're not yeah. going to get relegated, you know? <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I, I, I think they're good. And shout out to Udinese legend. Shout out, Dill. Uh, Beto is looking pretty good. If only there was a, a London club that could have used a striker, you know. I was about to say, he sounds like he's going to Chelsea. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for 100 mil. There you go. Everton's got to figure it out. They're like, listen, we have really bad financial problems. What do we need to do? We play in blue. We play in <laughs> We bought a striker. Let's sell him for 100. <laughs> Uh, we'll, we'll see what happens there. Hey, good luck, yeah. Everton. Good yeah. luck. Good luck. <laughs> anyway, I think that's that's going to wrap us up here, unless you guys have anything else to add on that. No, I got nothing. You got anything you want to say on Bayern or anything like that? Yeah, have you been... Uh, he's Yeah, Richard yeah. Richard here, also a big Bayern fan. Have you been following them despite uh, a certain name on the roster these days? I have, and... Uh, he's doing pretty well. He is. I, big surprise. Ton, tons of goals, assists. A lot of assists, too. Yeah. yeah. I he mean, scores goals? He's exactly what they need. And we go back to the, the Chelsea Champions League win 
team, and they had a lot of Germans on that team. They mm. played like Germans, where you really don't have... If only Germany played like Germans. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And what are Germans missing? They're missing a striker, and not a well, big... This Nicholas Fulkrug erasure is, is unreal. Yeah. And I think he fits the German style of play mm-hmm. perfectly. Okay. They, it's the exact way that Germans play, and he has the best Germans around him. He's going to knock him in nonstop. He, I mean, he's going to win the Golden Boot for sure. I, who cares? He's I, washed. I, I, I fear <laughs> I mean, I'm a Bayern fan. <laughs> but I fear he's going to win the Champions League. I'm, I'm super happy that Bayern would win the Champions League. But Kane winning the Champions yeah. League, it's going to sting a little bit. Well, yeah, it's not like they've got a manager who's won the Champions League. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, we'll, we'll see what happens with Bart. But, Ted. Anyway, I'll wrap us up here. Guys, thanks for listening. You can reach us at the Boot and Hearth Podcast at gmail.com, the Boot and Hearth Pod on Twitch occasionally, and the Boot and Hearth Podcast on Discord. Feel free to leave a, uh, you know, send us a message or anything. We will see that as well as we need to add this into the rundown. But you, like I said, you can also comment on this episode in Spotify, um, which we definitely will see. So, you know, reach out to us on any of those, on any of those levels. Um, and again, thanks for tuning in, Richard. Thanks thank for being here. Yeah, thank you, Richard. Thank you, everyone, for joining us, and we will catch you next week.